After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter, and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly, beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. Hello and happy training camp week or training camp 2.0 week, however you word it. Uh, this is the Hockey Podcast. My name is Kevin Olenek. We uh, can follow us on Twitter at podcast underscore hockey. Uh, like us on Facebook, the Hockey Podcast, or subscribe wherever you get your podcast, Apple, uh, Spotify specifically. Uh, midweek podcast, uh, we are up at 9 o'clock in the morning. To record a podcast, we've got Sean with us. Hello, Sean. Hello, hello. It's ten o'clock in Alberta time, so he gets to sleep in a bit, but not Tyler. Tyler's up early, right, Tyler? That's that's right. Yeah, a week off from the day job, so it's great to be doing some podcasting on a Wednesday morning. Yes. Well, the reason we're doing this is we have the man, the myth, the legend. Um, the man that pronounces words differently than the rest of us, but still gets his point across. The one and only, the hardest working man in show business in Vancouver, Rick Dollywall, is with us. Hello, Rick. How are you? Uh, thank you. Very happy uh, to be here and joining you guys, Sean and Tyler and yourself, Kevin. And I'm just happy there's uh, a sunshine outside. I'm going to go hit the lakes in a couple hours and... Uh, I'm just happy that we finally got some nice weather because I think we had rain last Friday, yes. Saturday. Yes. Yeah, we get enough of that crap in uh, in the winter. We don't need it now. No, it's true. Very true. And it kind of feels, it's weird the where we are because, uh, you know, who ever thought that we would be having training camp in July to prepare for a, a playoff series? But I, I want to know what your four months off was like. What was were you up to um, before everything kind of got back into normal? And I'm using air quotes for normal. Yeah, I think this virus didn't only flip the world upside down for the hockey players. I think, Kevin, it flipped it for everybody. You guys, me. It took away our normal. And... It really pissed me off because, you know, it just it just took away our normal. And I understand it's there, it's causing problems, but it really caused a ton of problems for the media. Uh, I, I'm going to ask both of you guys, imagine doing a four-hour radio show with the, at an all-sports station with those sports. Yeah. I mean, think about that. Think about what are you going to talk about? And I think this is where TSN 1040 has uh, so many talented guys who can pull off a four-hour shift with no sports? It, it's tough. It's tough, and, and you take you got to do interviews. Uh, you got to think of creative ideas to be entertaining. And there's so much more that just goes into just oh, hey, the Canucks played last night, so we're going to do a four-hour show tomorrow. So now the Canucks don't play, and we got to do a four-hour show tomorrow. But the Whitecaps don't play, the Lions don't play, the Giants don't play. Nobody plays. Have fun doing a four-hour show, but. 
this is where TSN 1040 excels. They have a lot of talented guys, Kevin, who come in and they still pull it off. It's the worst nightmare for an all-sport patient with those sports. But these guys are pulling it off and doing a wonderful job. Yeah, and I, I mean, I've talked with, with Pat Steinberg with that about that as well. But one of the things I... I thought it was really great that TSN Gen 40 did was the uh, the best ofs. Yeah, that was that was a lot of fun. I think just kind of looking back, um, Sean Tyler, what were your what were you thinking there? Uh, the TSN uh, top ten moments all time. Yeah, no, Sean Tyler, are you there? Yep. Okay, okay, yeah. I was making sure. I'm hearing a little bit of a buzz, so I just wanted to. Oh, thank you, Tyler. Yeah, I. I yeah. And top moments all yeah, time. It was fun to listen to and see what, especially the, the morning, the morning guys, because like you have to get up at crack of dawn and try and figure out something to talk to to get people through. Yeah, yeah. There yeah. were still people going to work, but there were still people just like thirsty for content and thirsty yeah. to be entertained and to, to be able to escape and. Yeah. Um, to be able to do that and do that consistently, I think was, it, they deserve um, a, a huge round of applause and, and congratulations. I'm, I'm, I'm here in Calgary, but uh, as much as I can, I always try and listen to uh, Alfred and Bruff in the morning just because they, they always seem to find a way to make me laugh. And, and something, something, they say something stupid, and the next thing you know, there's, a, there's like they're, they're down a two-hour two rabbit hole on something. So. And, morning, and by the way, morning radio uh, is a little different than the other shifts because morning radio, the Canucks played last night against Minnesota. So you're talking about that game essentially for that whole morning show. And now there's no game last night. But at least the mid-afternoon show and the afternoon show, the, the day develops and there might be a story that breaks to 9 and 10 and they got something, you know what I mean? But the guys morning really relied on the hockey scores from the night before football scores and there's nothing there so and those guys are so creative and, and i agree with you uh, they've done a wonderful job the morning show is a lot different because you're you're going over all the last night's games well there's no games last night so it's tougher i think those guys have done a wonderful job i agree with you yeah, and it's one thing to, you know, just fill airtime, but it's another thing to do it at high quality. And the morning show really needs lots of energy and entertainment factor. So, it, it, you know, that's definitely a, a more difficult job than the average person might. I agree. Yeah. I agree. I agree. And I, I just, I cannot tell you guys, uh, like, when the NHL lockout took place, how tough it was. I remember when the NHL lockout took place and the NHL guys were going to Europe, and I was hunting down Dan Cloutier in Switzerland and, and, and getting these interviews. Uh, Brendan Morrison went overseas, getting these guys just to fill content. It was a tough time. And when I look at this COVID situation, I go back to that lockout and how tough it was for us with no Canucks hockey. And you guys both, all three of you know, without Canucks hockey, it's a tough go in this market. You know, it's, it's the single most important thing that keeps everyone going 24-7, 12 months of the year. And when that lockout took place, I was hunting down guys in Europe. And I remember getting Dan Clucci in Switzerland. It was such it was such a good feeling to get him. And, hey, what are you doing in Switzerland? How are things over there? So um, I, I can tell you right now, I can't wait for hockey to return. I really can't. I know it's under uh, really tough circumstances. There's not going to be any fans. Games at noon, 3, 5. Hey, look, the virus took our normal away. 
but it didn't take everything away from us. We're going to finally be able to watch hockey again. So I'm happy about that. Oh, aren't we all? Yeah, me, me too. Um, Sean Tyler, did you have a question? Well, I was just going to say, I mean, you know, in terms of, you know, stuff to talk about, I mean, we go back to when the first phase of the draft lottery happened. I mean, it was like a bonanza for a couple of days there. It's just the, the thirst for something to talk about was was uh, was pretty intense there. Uh, what was that like for you, uh, just sort of jumping back into some actual real hockey news? And what did you think of the format and how it all turned out? I love, I, the hockey, part of hockey for me that never stopped the RFAs and the UFAs, and, and, and the players that are potentially going to come and go, the salary cap, all that stuff. Um, I'm going to tell you guys, uh, social media changed everything for me. Everything. Everything. I grew up in Flintstones Radio. It was the cassette tape, Reel the Reel. We used to do an interview over the phone, cut up the interview and Reel the Reel. When I was in uh, Small Town Radio, I used to listen to da- uh, Neil McRae in the mornings on the, on the old uh, satellite radio network, cutting up tape. Um, and then I got to work with the legend Neil McRae, and he was a legend. Neil Neil McRae to me was 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 a legend of Vancouver. He was so good at what he did. But I can't imagine Neil McRae with social media. I really can't. We 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 grew up, and Kevin, I know the, the kids going to BCIT are, are are in a different mindset. I didn't have social. I, I didn't even have a freaking cell phone. The cell phone changed my life for my work because now I can text agents uh, in, in Switzerland, Germany, Russia. I can do it just the cell phone and the social media changed everything for me. Everything. I was Flintstones radio. I was the guy with the reel, the reel cassette and, the, and, and cutting that up till about 19... Uh, 99, and then we got Burley, and then then came uh, the, the cell phone, yada, yada, yada. I'm telling you guys, social media, I, I look I look at Canucks Twitter. I got agents to call me, Kevin, and say to me, uh, Canucks Twitter is toxic. You guys are toxic. You guys, but what social media has done, it has given you and everybody else on their platform to, to give your opinion. That's what it's about. I mean, there's nothing else about it. I love the passion. I guarantee you Canucks Twitter would not be as toxic if they had not missed the playoffs for five straight years. The reason the toxic, tox, toxicity is there, toxicity or whatever that fucking word is, <laughs> uh, the reason it's there is because we've missed the playoffs for five years. And it's been five years and no playoffs. I guarantee you guys. If, if, if we had made the playoffs two years ago or one year ago, it wouldn't be as toxic. I guarantee you take it to the bank. But because there is so much negativity of not making the playoffs in a red-hot Canadian market for five years, that is why it's toxic. But social media changed everything for me. And the cell phone changed everything for me in my industry. Sean and I were actually talking about that after. Go ahead. Sure. Yeah, you said that you talked to like what the agents are telling you that uh, tw- the Canucks Twitter, Vancouver Twitter is very toxic. Do they do they talk? Do they like compare it to like say Toronto or Montreal? Let's just put it. Let's put it this way: it's in the top five, and I think <laughs> I think Toronto is right there in the top five too. I haven't heard Toronto is any better, and I've heard uh, you know. Let's just put it this way: it, it sometimes. Like, you know what? Derek Pouliot went through a tough time, guys, in Vancouver. Uh, his agent told me, man, I, you know, it, it was pretty rough, right? Eric Branson went through a tough time. 
and negativity and just the negativity and the negative. Certain players went through a very tough time in Vancouver. Let, I got to be honest with you guys. And there were certain guys that were saying when they got traded or left Vancouver, they were like, see you later. Don't, you know, no problem. I'm out of here. It can be a toxic environment, but I guarantee to all three of you guys, when the Canucks return to the playoffs, and they will soon, when they turn that corner, you're going to see a lot of that toxicity, toxicity move. It's going to get out. It's, it's going to get out. There will be better times ahead. There will be more positive times ahead. Just got to get back in the playoffs, and you're going to see them turn that corner. How much do you think not having a Stanley Cup in the franchise history plays into all of this as well? Because we've, we've seen other places where in Canadian cities where it could be 12 years out of the playoffs, 10 years out of the playoffs, longer stretches than what Canuck fans have endured. But there's always that Stanley Cup banner hanging in the room to hang your hat on. How much do you think that factors in? Oh, it's, it's a great question. Great point. I was at the 82 team. 1982 was, I don't want to date my, I don't want to, tell you how old I am but the 82 team was one of my favorite teams of all time and it was just they, they got hot at the right time uh you know we had the uh Harry Neal incident in Quebec Roger Nielsen goes behind the bench they get hot they, they go all the way to the finals that you know when I look at 82 94 and 211 we were close it was close we were so freaking close game seven and there's a bit of that. I agree. It's been 50 years and we don't got a cup. And meanwhile, Carolina's got a freaking cup. Tampa Bay's got a cup. And you're sitting there going, okay, let me get this straight. This hot Canadian market has got no Stanley Cup, but we got a cup winners in Carolina and Tampa Bay. It just makes you mad. It just makes you mad. It does. But three times in the cup final, and you're thinking, oh, we were. I, look, they were never going to beat the Islanders in 82. Okay. Rangers, oh, that was close. And then you got the Bruins that was close. Hey, they were close, but then when you think about Carolina and Tampa Bay, much, much less years in the NHL, they got a cup, it makes you mad. I, I can't say anything else that. It just makes you mad. There, there is, but I also think, too, with this, with the fan base, I, I, one of the things I'm noticing is I, I do feel there are people criticizing just for the sake of criticizing. They've almost... Yeah. Try like my observation, and maybe, maybe you, as as someone in the radio industry for a far long time can can correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like they're trying to be something that they're not. They're trying to be a Harmon Dial or a or a God rest his soul Jason Botchford, and and yeah. I think that that's the part that I think is throwing a lot of this off. It yeah. Is is just it's sort of the hot take, not really backed up with a lot of fact, sort of part right. of Twitter. Right. But also, uh, Kevin, think about this. We live, in a, we live in a world where you can tweet something and hide behind a fake name on Twitter and there's no accountability. Yeah. I, I think the accountability is, is, is not there anymore. Um, but I also believe if there's a story, there's a story. If you got a story to tell, tell the story, uh, back it up with facts. And I, I, and I do believe, for the most part, the media look. There's a ton of, uh, hey, I get criticized for uh, negative stories and I get criticized, oh, why'd you say that? Why'd you say that? But if there's a story out there, positive or negative, hey, look, I do a lot of positive stories. The, the, the Jack Rathbone contract, everyone thought he was going to walk that summer as a free agent. He didn't walk. One of the reasons he didn't walk is because the Canucks do a tremendous job uh, uh, with their NCAA players. And that's why he didn't walk. So I will say this to you, Kevin. If you can keep it in the middle, do some positive stories, 
That'll help you when you do the negative story because there are negative stories. And again, Kevin, when you haven't made the playoffs in five years, you're going to have a lot more negative than positive stories. That's just the human nature. That's, that's fact. That's yeah. Everything, uh, everything you have with the Canucks with issues right now is a fact. They haven't made the freaking playoffs in five years. And you got a general manager who's still got a job that hasn't made the playoffs in five years. I don't think another GM has had that much rope in this market, but Jim is doing a much better job in the last year. Because look at the JT Miller trade. Look at the Tyler, look at the Tanner Pearson trade. Look, he's done some good stuff in the past year. Every GM does good stuff and bad stuff. He's no different. But by the fact you haven't made the playoffs in five years, you're going to have a lot of negativity. Would it be fair to say maybe the Canucks organization is a little too sensitive to media reaction, media speculation? And you know, I, I'm sure every professional sports franchise out there, you know, is sensitive to a certain extent about you know how they're talked about. But is you know, is it maybe too much with the Canucks? Or? Well, uh, I'm gonna. There's a guy that in this market that just went to the Hall of Fame, Hall of Fame, Tony Gallagher. Tony Gallagher, you trying to tell me Tony Gallagher never got in trouble with the Canucks yeah. over there? Yeah. Tony Gallagher was always in hot water with the Canucks, always. Go ask Brian Burke what he thinks of Tony Gallagher. Yeah. You know, uh, it, it, look, when you do a negative story and the team perceives it to be negative, you're going to get in trouble, bottom line, bottom line. But but the, the thing is, when you do a positive story, they never call. They never, like when, when Petrus Palmer was the rookie of the year in Finland, Nobody called me and said, hey, good uh, good interview. It, it, it's just expected. Just do positive stories. Don't do negative stories. But the moment Petrus Palmu leaves Utica and slams the coach's job, then they're all mad at me, and, and they're they're mad at the kid, by the way, too. The Canucks have held that interview against Petrus Palmu since day one, which is, you know, it, it, it's just ridiculous. It, it really is. But it just goes back. Uh, you can write a million positive stories, but the moment you write that negative story, they're all over you. That's just human nature. That's human nature. But like I told you, I, I do a, a, I do a 50-50. You do, you do positive stories, but you got to you, – you can't – this isn't Disney World. The, the team hasn't made the playoffs in five years. There's going to be negative stories. I think they should realize that. Uh, you haven't made the playoffs in five years. There's going to be negative stories. That's just human nature. So, speaking of negative, speaking of stories, and I don't know if this is negative or not. Um, in my opinion, I, I'm still, I, to be honest with you, I'm on the fence of where this is in terms of everything. But um, the Twitter storm that was created this week when Matt Sakaris talked about exploring the word he specifically used was exploring the possibility of trading Brock Besser. From yeah. your perspective, as someone that is in deep contact with media here, yeah. what what allows Matt Sakaris to share? Like, if you're in Matt Sakaris's shoes, and I know you're you're backing him, what yeah. like what is what basically from your perspective? Why does he share that story? What gives him that permission? Well, I, I can't tell you. Uh, like Matt can't tell you why I do things. I can't tell you why Matt does things. I can tell you that Matt Sakaris is one of the most respected. Uh, you got to go back before uh, Matt Sakaris arrived in Vancouver. He was a really good writer, Kevin. I think you know this at the Globe and Mail. He was a national CFL writer. Matt and I go back 20 years. I have tremendous amount of respect for his work from day one. He was 
people talk about Max Vicaris on the radio. People don't realize he was one of the best writers in this country, uh, writing sports. This guy was a wonderful freaking writer. Like I used to, when the Globe and Mail came out, I would look for Sakaris right away. What, what's he writing? Just a wonderful writer. Yeah, one of the best this country's ever produced. Um, I'm going to back Matt Sakaris. He's a teammate. He's in my building. He's in my team. He's. I, I'm going to back. I always back guys. Uh, that's just the way I am, and I'm not going to stop here. I, I've done, I did enough due diligence on the weekend, Kevin, to to tell you that Matt Sakaris was on to something. Matt Sakaris was not wrong in, in what he reported. If the Canucks have to make a move, and, and, and one of the possibilities could be Brock Besser. It's just common sense. If you want to fully Markstrom and Tanev resign, just somebody's got to go. It's common sense. And the guy going to create tap, cap space is not not on the fourth line. He's not defenseman six, seven, eight. To create cap space, you've got to move a, a, a guy in the top four, the top uh, top six forwards, or top four D. It's common sense that if they have to move anybody to create cap space to get to fully marks and metadata done, somebody's got to go and it's got to be an important player. And he said the possibility is one of those players could be Besser. It's not an outrageous story. It makes sense. He was bang on. And I'm and, and I can't tell you why and when and where, but I can tell you that Matt Sakaris, I had zero issues with what he reported. And he was, as far as I'm concerned, he was bang on. Because of these cap issues, if they have to create space to sign one of those three UFAs and Britannia and Stetcher, somebody's gotta go. I don't I don't know who it is, but it could be a possibility that it could be Besser. That's what he was saying, and it's not out of the realm of possibility. So it, it's just my, my, I guess my point is, is this isn't about sensationalism or, or hot taking. No. This is this is a guy that has years of experience behind him that knows yeah. what he's talking about. Yeah. And, and Elliot Friedman just went on the radio yesterday, Kevin, and said that. basically that have been uh, have thought about moving Besser at some point in the last two years. Hey, listen, I'm a big Brock Besser fan. I don't want the guy gone. Uh, uh, young guys like Besser who score, scoring's the hardest thing to do in the NHL. This guy is young. He can score. He's got hockey sense. He slows the play down. He's a top six forward at a young age. I mean, come on, man. I don't want to see the guy go. But if there's a casualty because of the cap, somebody's got to go. I mean, but Matt Sakaris, uh, uh guys, uh, I have uh, a tremendous amount of respect for and I and I will continue that, to say that. There's just no way fans are bunched about it. Yeah. The way I re- the way I read into it was that it's it, the the best term would be more of the the last the last chance the nuclear move if they can't find a way to 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 make the the multiple multiple new moves that they need to make with yeah stutters the Ericsons the Bear Cheese yeah on and on to to make it work. This is a big off season for Jim, and you just nailed it. Uh, okay, wh- wh- what's happening with Eric's Berchie Sutter? Uh, now you got Rathbone signed. So okay, well that left side looks. If Rathbone makes the team, the left side looks pretty sharp. Uh, what happens to Tanner Stetcher for Tanner? I mean, there's a lot. Jim's going to have, I think, one of his most active. Let's go forward to the NHL draft. Yeah. Jim's going to have one of his most active NHL drafts coming up that he's ever had. I think Jim is going to be moving uh, and dealing, and I think he's going to be trying to create some cap space. He's going to try and get rid of some bad contracts. 
I think he might make a big deal or two. I'm really excited to see what Jim does at that NHL draft because he's got a lot of things right now on his plate if he wants marks from Tapoli and Tanner back. I believe they want all three guys back, but, man, that's going to be tough to do. I, I think the, the the whole league's going to be super busy. It's because it, it, it's, it's a short off season. You've got teams that are in financial trouble, teams that are in cap trouble. I think every, like, oh. it's just going to be just. I, I really hope that we can have uh, a, a, lo, a live draft, not not what the NFL had. So you can you can have all, just right. all 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 the uh, all the camera <laughs> shots of. GMs on the phone and, and people overreacting to it because, or just just thinking about what could be, because I it's I think it is going to be just almost pandemonium in terms of what the moves could be. Oh, big time! And I feel for the junior hockey kids right now. I'm a huge junior hockey fan. I don't know uh, if you guys know that, but uh, those kids that were are going in that draft, that NHL. Look, they got to wait three, four, five, six more months, right? It's 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 well three, four more months. It's ridiculous. And these kids are chomping at the bit to get drafted. And I know they're doing Zoom interviews with all the uh, teams and everything, these young kids. But the Canucks don't have a pick. Uh, rounds one or two. Uh, we're going to find out what happens with the first overall pick uh, shortly, I guess. Uh, you know, whether the Canucks have a shot at that or not. But uh, you're right. I, I hope the uh, this stupid virus is gone so we can get back to normal and we can have a normal NHL draft as opposed to these drafts where they're done just basically over Zoom. So uh, I'm hoping for an NHL draft, uh, a rink packed with fans and teams, but I'm uh, we're just waiting on the medicine for this virus, and I, I don't know how many months that is. Yeah, we had uh, we I interviewed Brian Weave from the BCHL, kind of talking about where they're at in terms of the return to play, and they've got some fascinating issues to to deal with in and of themselves, especially they have an American team to deal with. So yeah. that's, that's, that's going to be fascinating in a, in a yeah. of itself for them, for sure. Um, what, uh, Tyler, did you have a question or before I, yeah, that'd be nice Rick to kind of whatever, to whatever extent you're willing to share with us, uh, here, just sort of the, the process and the effort it's taken you over the years to develop and maintain your network of contacts that you have. Cause that's what you, you seem to be really quite famous for is the, the number of connections you have in the game, particularly with agents. Like, just tell us about how, how that came to be and how much work it takes to maintain that good relationship with everybody. You know, I think for me, it started, uh, when I was covering junior, uh, a hockey in, uh, in the early 1990s, my first job uh, in small towns covering junior A hockey, and you get that feel, uh, and you get that thirst for information. I have a passion and thirst to get the story. I don't always get it first, and I always I, I made a million mistakes, but I'm going to tell you guys, the only people that make mistakes in the world are the people who try. If you don't try, you never make a mistake. If you're trying, you're going to make a mistake. I've made a million mistakes. I've been wrong a million times, but the you got to have – a passion and heart and enthusiasm to do it. I have uh, this built-in uh, passion to try and get it first. I always get it first. I try, and, and, but I make mistakes. But again, guys, you got to have <clears throat> the thirst and the knowledge to get the info. I think every agent I know, I had to cold call first. Like, okay, let's go to J.P. Berry, a good friend of mine, one of the super agents. There was a time when I had to call him and say, hey, J.P., it's Rick at CKWX. And then when you establish the first call, 
then the second call third and you try and develop you don't develop a relationship with every agent you try to but you um you try you try just like okay just like you're in a bar you meet someone and your buddies break up a conversation and then the second time hey how's going you know you always cold call someone first and then you if you show them that you care about their client their team, then you're in. If you don't, if you, if you, you're going to call JP Barry and say, Hey, your client sucks. He's a, he's a shit. It's, it's all over. People ask me, uh, David Braley, uh, how did you get so, you know, your friendship with David Braley? I, I used to go to the BC Lions games at Empire Stadium in the early eighties. I am a huge Lions fan. People like, I, I, I just love the BC Lions going way back to Empire Stadium. Uh, Roy DeWalt, Joe Papau, Larry Key, all these guys. I'm telling you, I, I love the life. If you show people that you care about their product, it helps. Ron Toigo, I love junior hockey. David Braley, I love the CFL. If you show people that you love their product, it helps. But if you're going to call David Braley and say, yeah, fucking Lions suck, CFL sucks, well, it's not going to go very far. I think I just have... It's all about relationships, about um, the gift of the gap, really. I just, I'm a talker, as you guys can tell in the last 20 minutes. I, I just, it's just a gift of the gap. But again, I want to emphasize, it, it, I hate the word uh, insider. I'm not an insider. I'm just a guy who loves working on stories. It, it's, it, the insiders are Bob McKenzie, Derek Drager, Elliot Friedman, and, and those guys. I'm, I'm just, a, just a small-town guy who likes working on stories. Those guys are kings and, and national guys. I'm just a guy, a, a small guy in a big in, a, in Vancouver. That's it. Not an insider. Guy who likes to work on stories. Gotta have a passion for it. You gotta have an enthusiasm for it. If you don't like what you're doing, you're not going to be successful at it. I just lucked out with a job that I absolutely love. And when you love something, you go above and beyond the call of duty in that job. So I don't think uh, it's anything more. Then the gift of the gap, loving what you do, and having a passion to get the news first. That's all it is. But I, I, I'm going to emphasize, I've been wrong a million times. But the only people that are wrong in life are the ones that, uh, that try. You have to try. If you don't try, you'll never be right or wrong. So I think that's what it boils down to for me. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, I... Done. Sean, you still there with us? <laughs> yeah, I'm still here. Um, okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right, but yeah, like you said, Rick, you, you try. You, you hard, hard. One of the hardest workers we we know in in, in sports radio. I, I honestly think nationally, but uh, and even when you're breaking stories at three thirty in the morning, Fairchi yeah. <laughs> one specifically. Can I tell you that the background of the three thirty? Yeah, tell us. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I I, I so it was Friday night. And it was around 10.30, I got a bit of a tip-off that you know, someone is going to opt out with the Canucks. And then around 11, I got a, another tip that it, it was Van Berchie. So I, I had to uh, call somebody in Switzerland and contact them, because Sven's in Switzerland, right? He's a Swiss guy, right? Yep. So I emailed the guy at 11. I tried to call him. He didn't pick up my email. So at 3.30 in the morning, I had to take a leak. Uh, so as you're taking a leak, you, it, it, it's, everybody checks their cell phone. 
Uh, and it was a checked cell phone and I got a response from the email. And so I called the guy and, and I got it confirmed um, that it was Ben. And then, you know, it was 3.35 and I just kind of thought, should I, should I tweet it now? Or should I wait till five, six, seven in the morning? But I, 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 I just thought, you know what, do it right now. And I was absolutely flabbergasted by how many <laughs> responses there were at 3.30. Like there were people pushing the like button at 3.30 and I'm thinking, am I the only idiot up at 3.30? No, I'm not. <laughs> so it, uh, I just elected to uh, do it at 3.30, that's all. Um, but I just got the confirmation on the email. I made the call. It, look, you can't go with one source. You can't, Kevin. Uh, and, and, and Tyler and Sean, you got it today's world because I've been ripped a million times. When you're wrong, you get ripped. And Canucks Twitter, uh, they hold you accountable when you're wrong. I get ripped all the time. No matter what I fucking think, I get ripped. But uh, uh, you, you always get ripped because even a positive tweet, 3 to 4% of the people are going to think it's negative, right? I can say, like, it's Rathbone yesterday morning, guys. At 9 o'clock, I tweeted, uh, oh, there's no update on Rathbone. And the one guy tweets back, ah, if there's no update, the why the fuck are you tweeting? Well, uh, the deadline's Wednesday. I just, and Thomas Drantz, who's an awesome reporter, reported that there's good vibes. And so I just, you know, Canucks might get a deal done. So I, I just said, hey, uh, good vibes, but no deal done yet. And some guy tweets, uh, well, if there's no news, then why are you fucking tweeting? That's what I mean. You can't win. You can never ever win a hundred percent of the time you can't you can't win but that if i didn't have to get up to take a leak at 3 30 i don't know if, I would, if that would have happened well, I think that really illustrates that the, you know, in the Twitter world, the the news cycle is 24 hours. I mean, and there's, you know, people doing shift work or whatever. There's always an audience out there at any hour. You, you can't sit on something and wait. You'll get scooped if you do. Yeah. And I, and that's a, it's a great point. I hate sitting on stuff. And then sometimes I, I sit on, I sit on information. I get beat and I get mad. But, and then my source will say, don't use that yet. Don't use that yet. And then it gets leaked out. And I'm like, ah, oh, you're fucking killing me. You're killing me. <laughs> uh, it's okay. I, I think as long as you try and, and you're not going to get them all, you're not going to be right all the time. And, but as long as you try, I think trying is the key. And I think, uh, boy, I'm scared. I'm not going to lie to you guys. Um, I, the biggest fear uh, when you're getting trapped Oh, guys, is if you're wrong. Because if you're wrong, you're going to get fucking blasted. You're going to get blasted. Yeah, oh, guys, go, go ahead if you got questions for sure. Well, as far as being that Rathbone uh, signing, um, yeah, with that Rathbone signing, um, it's well known that uh, Jared Brackett was a, a good sort of family friend of the Rathbones. And I'm just wondering uh, how how dicey that signing potentially was with uh, him now no longer with the organization. I can tell you guys something. I've been covering the National Hockey League for 25 years. I have never in my life had a kid change teams because of a scout. Zero. Zilt. I can't give you one freaking example of a guy saying, uh, oh, hold it, that scout uh, – helped draft me, but now he went from Vancouver to Minnesota, so I'm not going to sign with the Canucks, I'm going to go to Minnesota. It may have been one of the most ridiculous things I've ever heard in my entire life. I am telling you, I have never, unless you guys can help me, uh, I have never heard of an example of a kid like 
saying, I'm going to change teams because the scout is gone from Vancouver to Minnesota. I'm going to sign in Minnesota. I have never in my entire life, I've heard of players saying that coach went from Vancouver to Minnesota. I might think about it, that GM, but I have never heard in my entire life a player changing teams because of a scout. I think it was one of the most ridiculous things that I've ever heard in my life. I, I just, it was a non-factor. It was not a story. And I cannot believe Jack Rathbone, the Canucks deserve a lot of credit on this signing. First of all, they have done tremendous work in the NCAA. Rafferty, Demko, Besser, Goddett. Uh, they have done a super duper job uh, in the NCAA in the last five, six, seven years. Really good. And Judd Brackett's been a big part of that. He, and there's a kid, Aiden McDonough in Northeastern. Keep an eye on him. All three of you. Seventh round pick. I think this guy's going to be a player. He's another bracket pick. But never have I heard a player leaving for a scout. But I'm going to tell you, the Canucks have done a tremendous job. And look at Rafferty. Rafferty signed, had numerous teams after him, signed Vancouver after a conversation with Jim Benny. Rafferty picked the Canucks because of a conversation with Jim Benny. They've done a super-duper job at the NCAA level. I'm going to tell you that much right now. So you mean like Joe Brackett wasn't this isn't this wizard of uh like can't make te- players change teams? Oh, uh, is, is he not the best? I thought he was the Messiah Most High to come. Uh, can you name me the head scout for Winnipeg, Carolina, Tampa Bay, Florida, L.A.? No, you can't. But for some odd reason, in this city, he became a hot story. I don't understand. You remember Mike Penny, guys? Mike Penny. I yeah, back uh, when was the Canucks head scout. It, it never was Mike Penny get that much ink that Judd Brackett got. I don't get it. Judd Brackett was good at what he does, and he's going to help the Minnesota Wild. But my goodness, I, I don't. I had a guy tell me, uh, an executive in the NHL, he, he said, "Why the hell is this a story? Like, wh- what are you guys doing out there? Like, <laughs> you know, why is Judd Brackett a massive story? He's a good scout." And he, he, he I, I think he can become an assistant GM or whatever he wants, Clint. But why was this a massive story? I don't get it. Well, for me, I, I think there just seems to be this great fascination with the with draft picks, the draft, the draft lottery. Uh, you know, like everybody seems to have a crystal ball that's better than the next person somehow. Yeah. Is, yeah. is, it, is it different somehow with the Vancouver market than it is in other places? If it is, why is that? What is your take on all of that? I think it's like I uh, like I said before, and I'll and I'll say this again: it's a it, it's no playoffs five years. I, I, I back to that. Yeah, it comes to that. I'm going to tell you right now: if the Vancouver Canucks make the playoffs for the next four years, there will be zero negativity on Twitter. Zero. It's just um, I'm just I, I can't emphasize enough to you guys that when they start making when they start winning, turning the tide, and they will. Because this is a good young team, good young core. When they start winning, things will change. Things will. Media will be more positive. Twitter will be more positive. It'll be a much, much, much better. You got a franchise player in Pedersen, franchise player in Hughes. You are on the way. This is a good, good young team. Now you got to surround it, the young kids, with good players. And I believe... Uh, if the Canucks were winning three years in a row and the Judd Brackett story came up, I, I don't think it would be as a big story as it was this year. 
you know. So I, I think when the winning comes, take it to the bank. The negativity will be gone for the most part. I, I, I guess it's, it's, it's kind of easy for people to forget what, you know, 10 years ago was like. But, you know, Twitter wasn't as big. It was around, but wasn't as, as yeah. big a, a, an impact on the market. But it was a pretty... Pretty high swag time for both Canuck fans and the, the media covering the team. You have to remember, if, if after uh, two eleven in the Bruins, the Canucks lost in the first round, I think, to the LA Kings back-to-back. Then there was the loss to the, the Flames. There hasn't been a ton of success since that two eleven. You have to really think about that. And then it's basically been eight, nine years. Um, really not great hockey. Not a lot of success. So there's a lot of pent-up anger. No playoffs. We really haven't done anything, the hockey team, the franchise, since 211. After reaching that Stanley Cup final, Game 7 on a whole ice, they really haven't done much. And no. it's a lot of pent-up anger, but it's going to turn. And when it turns, you watch. When they start making the playoffs and going on deep playoff runs, you, we're not going to be talking about a negative Twitter. I'll tell you that. And there's a, and there's a few shit disturbers on Twitter. You know who they are. Yeah. There's the same guys every day causing the same shit. It's just... You know what? They, those guys will be silenced too when you start winning. Yeah, yeah. I, don't, I actually don't think the Canucks have won a series since eleven. No. Say that again. They haven't won a playoff series since eleven. Yeah, since the that, that's. It's not just the last five years. Yeah. Be, after two eleven, they lost to the Kings in the first round. I think a couple of years ago. Yeah, you're right. They have not been past the first round in nine, ten years. You're in a hot Canadian market, passionate fan base. These guys, this is a really smart, educated hockey fan base. You know, I'm going to tell you another story, okay? Uh, Rathbone's advisor could not believe the passion for his client because Rathbone Rathbone wasn't a first-round pick or a top-ten pick. He's a fourth-round pick anyway you cut it up. He's a fourth-round pick. He's like, to me, he's like, I can't believe, you know, this pa- this passionate fan base cares about a fourth-round pick like that. But that's the whole point. It's a passionate fan base, it, and, and it's a smart fan base, and they care. The care meter is very high in the city. That's something that you guys got to take into effect. And this city, if it loves a player like a P- Petey or a Hughes or a Besser or the Sedins yeah. or an Alex Burroughs, they – will embrace unconditionally there is no ifs ands or buts about it like you can like there is a like criticize all you want but the, if if they love a player they absolutely love a player yeah uh, well and it's just not the stars uh, gino ojic is yeah. uh is is still gino can't walk down any street without hey gino 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 uh it's just not the star players they they love those uh, lunch bucket, uh, get on your boots, work hard type guys too. Uh, it, you know, they love those blue collar type players. It's just not the stars. And, you know, there's a lot of third, fourth liners over the years that uh, people that have fallen in love with too. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. No, for, for sure. I, that's, I, it's, you know, that's, that's what you get with a, uh, with a passion. I, I want before we get into the playoff series, I want to ask you quickly about Michael Furlan and where we are at with him. Uh, you mentioned it's not concussion related that he's. Uh, I'm practicing this new these new words. I'm still struggling with them. Unfit to play right now. Where where are we at with Furlan? What percentage do you think we'll see him in the playoffs? 
Very good percentage. Very good percentage. You, you're going to see Michael Furlan play. This isn't concussion related. It, it's it's. Uh, I, I I can't get into the details. Um, I can just tell you it's not concussion. The guy was skating last Wednesday, Kevin, and the Canucks put him on their uh, Twitter account, and he was flying around the ice. What could possibly happen last Wednesday now? Uh, it's not uh, concussion related. He's going to be fine. Michael Furlan, I was. Uh, a big fan of the signing because your top nine gets stronger, harder to play against. And Travis Green loves size. Mm-hmm. Do you not look at Pearson and JT Miller? Hard skill. Travis loves hard skill. So when your top nine get harder and, and harder to play against and their skill, and Michael Furland falls into that group, there's a reason they went after him. I don't have any issues with Michael Furland signing. I just, I, I do a, I, 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 the agent did a great job getting the fourth year out of Vancouver. That, that I'm going to give props to Furland's agent for getting that fourth year because I don't think other teams are offering for. But Michael Furland's going to be fine. Let's see how he does uh, against Minnesota. But I, 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 I fully believe uh, he will play for sure. Yeah, the 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 hard the hard to play against winger is something that Travis Green absolutely loves and. Uh, throw in Antoine Roussel as well. I think with you, yeah. the, the Pearson, Miller, uh, Ferlin, and Roussel in your top nine, or yeah. even throw one of them down onto the the fourth line, and uh, uh, it's I mean it's they're they're built for playoff hockey in that aspect. Yeah, absolutely. And and I'm going to tell you something right now. Travis Green, former Western Hockey League, played in the Dub, coached in the Dub. Uh, these Western Hockey League guys love size, and Travis is no different. And people say to me, why are they going after Triamkin? What the, what the, what the, what the? Well, what has Triamkin got? He's got size. And if you can be a little bit uh, bigger on the back end, you, you know, Quinn Hughes is not, you know, obviously he's a stud defenseman, but he's not the biggest guy. Um, but I'm gonna, if you can add some size on the back end, I think you try and do that. Do you think there's an underappreciation for, you know, what it takes in playoff hockey around the Vancouver market. So size would be one of those things, grit factor, whatever term you want to use. Do you, do you feel like there's a, an underappreciation for those elements on a hockey team uh, when it comes to the Canucks fan base? Cause it, 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 to me, it seems that way when you spend a bunch of money on, on a guy that isn't necessarily a top six forward. Exactly. And okay. So back to the St. Louis blues uh, winning the cup, go look at their average size and weight, height and weight. I, I swear to God, they did not have a defenseman under 6'3". And they're forward. Go to Washington Capitol, huge team up the middle. I think every guy, every centerman was 6'3 or 6'4", and they got tons of – and Jay Beagle was a part of that. They got a ton of production from their third, fourth lines. You're bang on. It, it, to go deep in the playoffs, you need production from your, top, your, your lines three and four. And that's one of the Canucks' problems in the last few years. They can't – their lines three and four, they get very – uh, little production offensively from them. And that's one thing they got to uh, improve going forward. You know who goes deep in the playoffs? Teams with four lines. Teams that have production from lines three and four. Those guys are important in the playoffs, big time. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I think back to Patrick Maroon last year after they won yeah. the Cup there in St. Louis, commenting on, you know, I think he made the comment, screw speed and skill. <laughs> yeah, that's it. And it's, yeah. it's a it's like Patrick Maroon that make a big difference in the playoffs. Yeah. Because you're playing game in, game out. You got to play all these games every night. The compete level, 
in the playoffs is is is, is goes up tenfold from the regular season. I mean, it's it's and the bigger you are, you can grind the other team down. So size is. I'm telling you, Jim Benning loves size, but Travis Green loves size just as much. Well, yeah, and it's yeah. You look at that blue. Yeah, you're right about the size, and and there wasn't. There wasn't this big superstar on the Blues. Like, I mean, you know, Ryan O'Reilly was their best forward, but you're not going to put Ryan O'Reilly in an NHL superstar place. Yeah. He's a Patrice Bergeron type, right? So, yeah, it's it's fascinating. Um, I, I was actually doing. I, I actually was looking into the Blues uh, lineup last night and just watching how they how they built through the draft and only some unique trades, like the whole Jordan Binning, how they got Jordan Binnington is actually quite fascinating. It goes back yeah. to Eric Lindros and Scott Steve- Stevens, even back that far. He's part of that chain. It's just, you know, um, and experience too. I think that that's the other thing. And I, I think with, that's one of the things when you get to the team draft, the team tank part of this or the team draft or team win experience has such a huge factor like you talked about it in your even with you if you don't try and you don't make mistakes you don't learn from them and that's the other thing is is the this experience that that the Canucks are going to go through this the play in playoff is going to build this team so much in the future so much so the young guys yeah you know uh, Jay Beagle's won a Stanley Cup. He's won a Calder Cup. He's won the East Coast Hockey League title. Jay Beagle knows how to win. Okay? So Jay Beagle is going to be looking at this going, I'm ready to go. So what about those young kids? You know, they're going to be a little bit more nervous. Uh, Minnesota is not going to be a cakewalk, guys. If you look at the goals for and against, if you look at the point totals, these teams are pretty even, Stephen, right across the board. I think the Wild have a way better blue line. But Canucks have a better crop of forwards, and the goaltending goes to Vancouver. But I don't think this is going to be an easy series. I don't think anybody can stand there and say, uh, you know, it's going to be a sweep for the Canucks. I think this is going to be a really evenly matched series. It's going to be huge for players like Patterson and Hughes uh, just to to deal with, like, not only do they have to deal with, like a series where they can make the coaches opposing coaches can make adjustments game to game, but a three week lead up to try and plan for these, these super skilled kids. Yeah. Big time. And, and another thing, uh, the coaching staff guys, you, you don't think Travis Green's chomping at the bit at this. Oh, absolutely. Okay. So he comes here, replaces Willie D. He does nothing but lose in the first two years. Now they're turning the corner. I'm going to tell you, I don't think I think the most excited guy in the Canucks organization right now is Travis Green. Take it to the bank. Take it to the bank. And mm-hmm. and, and here's another one for you guys. Travis makes the playoffs or does something here. There, there's there's going to be a contract waiting here pretty damn soon for the guy. You know, um, I, I I think that Travis Green got a lot of lot of stuff here at play in this uh, play down for sure. And they, I I can tell you right now after talking to him as well, he is chomping at a bit to go. Yeah. And the other the other two factors, the one I think the one that hasn't been talked about as much as we'll talk about the bigger elephant in the room in a second here, but it will be nice to have for Bo Horvat to have regular wingers. Oh. Cuz he's oh. like he was I, I don't even remember how many players he played with. I no. I I I thought Tyler I'm not sure. I think Sean and Tyler even played with him. <laughs> 
I think some members of the Vancouver Giants have played with them. I think um, so. Here's the thing, though. Last two days of practice, he's been with Besser and Pierce. So uh, it's only lines two and three that there's been an extra forward. You're not going to see that split up. It's going to be Horvat, Besser, and Pearson. Okay, so I think that's a good line. I, and I think they're going to stay together. I want to know how the heck does he get uh, Furland in the lineup? And you can hate Louis Erickson until you're blue in the face, but Louis Erickson's got experience. Yeah, he kills penalties, he kills penalties, and Travis is probably going to sit there and go, "Oh boy, what do I do with Louis?" So. How do you get Furlan in? <clears throat> and how do you, and are you, are you even, I know everyone, I know the hatred, I get the hatred for Erickson, but Travis Green also says he's got experience. He's got a lot of games in the National Hockey League. Um, so there's some interesting lineup changes, boys. How do you get Furlan in? Who comes out? Interesting times. What, where are you at? What, what, so let's ask about Vertan. And I'm not, I'm not bringing up the celebrity thing, but is, how important is this run for Jake Vertanen going forward? Huge, huge, huge. He's an RFA with Arbrights. I think he can ask for over $3 million. I think uh, he, if a stupid COVID didn't hit, he would have hit 20 goals. Um, 20 goals by a young power forward is pretty damn good in the NHL. He's starting to figure it out. The maturity is coming on the ice for Jake. The maturity off the ice needs to come as well, but that'll come at his own pace. But... Um, I, I just love – I want to see more consistency. He kind of has four good games and then kind of two weeks ago, where's Jake? Consistent. You, the biggest thing that Jake should have learned from the Sedin twins, in and out, was you are in a dressing room with the Sedin twins. There are not two classier guys on and off the ice. you got to learn from guys like that. you got to learn. you got to learn their habits, training camp, the Sedin's always came tip-top shape. You, if you can't learn from the Sedin twins and you were on that team, boy, oh, boy. Boy, oh, boy. But I'm a big Jake fan. I think uh, 18 goals was good. I think he can get to 25, 30. Uh, don't give up on him. Just He's going at a slower pace than you wanted for a high draft pick, but he's going to get there. The one, the one um, player that we haven't talked about, and he is an RFA this year as well, is Adam Gaudet. And the need for scoring in the bottom six yeah. in the playoffs is huge, and he does that. So I, I, going into the season, know, knowing all, all all of Travis's uh, Travis Green's uh, like likes and, and, and wants for his bottom six, you, you you would question whether or not he'd even be in the lineup. But how do you how do you keep that guy out of, out of the lineup going into the playoffs when you need that sound bottom score? No, you don't. You don't. He's a big part of the future. And at the trading deadline, teams are asking about him. Uh, you don't touch Adam Gaudet. You let him learn. You let him develop. You let him grow. You don't touch that kid. That kid's going to be a player. I love his enthusiasm and passion uh, when he scores a goal. And that, to me, is important. When you love the game that much and you show that excitement after a goal, that tells me you're going to be better and better and better. He had a couple of stints in Utica. Didn't get down, came back up, scored some nice goals, important goals, goes to the net, has got no fear, loves playing along the wall, stands in front of the net, his shot is improved. You do not touch Adam Gaudet. That It is kids like Gaudet who are going to learn and grow in the playoffs better than anyone else. 
you want. This kid's a big piece uh, for me in the future. Yeah, I love I love Goddard. I think, like, if you that Goddard Vertanen, if you can keep that combination together for years, you especially in a third line, that is that is great going forward for Vancouver. Well, look at Vancouver up the middle. Yeah. You oh know, yeah. Orvat, uh, Patterson, and Goddard. That's a pretty damn and even in Beagle. I don't care what you say about Beagle. Beagle, uh, he's a good team player. He tell you right now that experience we talked about. He's won a Stanley Cup, an American Hockey League title. He's won a East Coast Hockey League title. Somebody tweeted yesterday, <clears throat> Beagle skating like he's just in tip top shape. He gets it. He gets it. You win a Stanley Cup with Washington, guys. Uh, they're really Canucks are strong up the middle. I have no issues with them up the middle. Yeah. Up the middle. Yeah, the, to me, the questions are, are on the wing. Uh, you've got, you said, uh, Louis Erickson, and he also Brandon Sutter as well that uh, needs to slide, like, may need to slide in a, on in the lineup. Like, it, there's going to be some big uh, roster decisions uh, on, on the bottom six wingers. Sutter is uh, is not coming out. There's no way. I, I see Mott, Beagle, and Sutter staying together. They kill penalties. Uh, you know, and Tyler Mott... Uh, he's got a ton of speed. You don't take that speed out of the lineup. He, in fact, he's the fastest guy in the fourth line. You don't take him out. I don't. I don't see him coming out. Uh, Travis Green loves Dynamo. He loves the engine. He loves uh, <clears throat> the speed, the no quit attitude. Uh, he just loves the fact the kid. Uh, the engine's always moving. That, that, yeah, I don't think you can show me tape of Tyler Pete, Tyler Mott's feet stopping on the ice during a game. It's you. You go to a minor hockey rink everywhere, and you got a parent or a coach yelling, move your feet to a kid on the ice, you don't have to tell Tyler Mott to move his feet. His feet are moving 24-7 when he's on that ice. Yep. Yeah, no. And, I... and it's noticeable when he's not playing. Like, when they've, when they've gone stretches without him, uh, the, 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 the pace for the Canucks seems to drop off a little bit. You know, I, 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 that's something I've noticed anyway. I think that's well, Benning, Benning's under, most underrated acquisition. It was Tyler Mott. Yeah, yeah. And... You know, you guys, I don't think the Canucks are the fastest team in the NHL, but they're going to get there slowly. But Tyler Mott helps with the speed of the overall speed. You don't take that guy out. And the coaching staff just loves uh, his character on and off the ice. Tyler Mott's not going anywhere. He'll be uh, re-upped in Vancouver uh, this year, and I, I, I would not be surprised if he got a little term as well. A guy like uh, Zach McEwen, um is it a long shot for him to get any time in the, in the qualifier or if they get further on beyond that, or, or has he got a real chance to actually push for some playing time? In your I got, uh, I got right now the extras for me are Furland, McEwen and Erickson. So you have to ask yourself, I want Zach McEwen in there, but who comes out? Yeah. Okay. That's the problem. And right now, Roussel and Vertanen for me on the right, uh, on the third line, who comes out? The fourth line is set. I told you, I don't see Mott, Beagle, and Sutter getting touched. So it's not a case of, uh, do you want Zach McEwen in the lineup? Everybody wants him in. The, the problem is who comes out. Yeah. Tell me who's coming out. That's yeah. Well, sometimes that problem sorts itself out with injuries yeah. and whatnot. I mean, you hope that that doesn't happen, but, but you know, it does tend to go that way. Yeah. And I, I'm going to tell you guys, uh, there's going to be injuries. There's yeah. going to be because... These guys have been off four months. Uh, there's going to be freaking injuries. Injuries. Injuries galore, I think. So uh, a lot of these black aces and, and guys like McEwen, they'll be ready to go. And, and 
you know, Zach McEwen's progress this year, man, oh man, just so happy for the kid. Worked hard. He's that late bloomer. You know, he didn't have a lot of success in 16 and 17 in junior hockey, and then he took off at 18, 19. He had a, a ton of teams after him. Late bloomer. Love the late bloomer stories. So I'm telling you right now, big fan of uh, Zach and, and how he's gotten to where he's gotten today, which has been through, uh, nothing but hard work. All right, let, and let's quickly touch on the defense. We've got Hughes, Tanev, Edler, Myers. How are you seeing five, six, seven, eight? Yeah, I don't see Fanberg coming out. I'm sorry. Uh, I just don't see him coming out. I see Jordy Ben is the uh, extra defenseman right now at camp. Forget about the defense right now. The defense right now, there's no big, there's nothing, there's no urgent. It, you don't have to get a front in it. You don't have to get a McEwen in it. There's no, it's not a huge, there's only six of them and Ben seven. I'm looking ahead mm. to next year. Who's here, who's not? Tanev, UFA, Stetcher, RFA. Boy, those are two big decisions. I'm a huge Chris fan, but man, oh man, they don't got the money right now and the turf. And he's worked his ass off to become a UFA. I just don't see how they can get him done. And if he walks, how do you replace him? Probably via trade. Then you're going to have to pop somebody up. But what do you do with Stetcher? Do you qualify him or do you not qualify him like uh, Ben Hutton? Uh, and now that Rathbone's going to be here most likely next year, uh, I just think the fascinating decisions on defense for next year for the Canucks is the two big ones are Tanev and Stetcher. What do you do with them? Yeah, I, I agree. Like, I, I'm a big Tanev fan as well, and I, he's on and off the ice. Everything you that we have access to, just he screams like a player you need to win. And yeah. Puts his body on the line, and that has—that is probably the biggest issue. With him. He has put his body on the line, and he, yeah. durability is is an issue. But I just—he's—he's he's one of one of the, one of the, the father figures of, of of the team. Him and him and Edler, and yeah. he, he takes care of the the, the kids, and he, I think it's been a huge reason why Quinn Hughes is now officially a nominee, and. Why, if you're bringing in Rafo next year, like yeah. having him there to be to be there on on Rathbone's right right side potentially be a great idea to do as well. Yeah, and he's so good off the ice, all so well liked in the dressing room, so well liked by the GM and the coaching staff. There's so many positives about Tanev. I know everyone talks about the injuries, but you know what? When you're one of the when you're one of the leaders in the NHL at blocking shots, you're going to get injured, okay? And, and a lot of his injuries are from blocking shots, let's be honest. And he puts his body on the line every freaking night. Um, I hope they can find a way to keep him because I think he's a big part of the culture of the team. And I think deep down Chris Tannum wants to return to Vancouver, but Chris Tannum's also a UFA. You might have to test the market to see if you can get the term and the money you want if, it, if it's not here in Vancouver. But I think a lot of teams around the NHL value this guy really high. I, I think they really do. Yeah, and I mean, he's, and he's a guy that's played in the Stanley Cup final. You know, it seems like a lifetime ago, but you know that that has value as well. Yeah, well, I, it's, you don't have to convince me about uh, Chris Tan. I'm just worried about if he's outpriced himself for Vancouver, and if yeah. he has, that's that's the issue I have. Hey guys, I have to go golfing. I'm going to be late for my golf game. 
Well, hey, we can't we can't let you do that. So th- thanks so much, Rick, for coming on. I, I I am so glad we did this. I hope we can do it again. Um, I hope we can visit you at uh, at your new studios here soon as well. And um, keep doing what you're doing. I, I uh, big fan of you guys. Uh, thank you, Kevin, and uh, good luck in your uh, radio broadcasting. And uh, finish that course and get out there. It's a uh, uh, a great, great medium, radio. I know mainstream media has taken a hit last few years, television, uh, radio, and TV, because the internet, cell phones, it's all kicking us in the nuts, all of it. But radio is the one, uh, radio is the most best job in the world. It's it's just, it, it's the one that's going to survive for another 100, 200, 300 years. Because... It's not going anywhere, and and I. It's going to be good to see you a part of it. Thank you, thank you so much. Um, yeah, we will talk to you soon. All right. Uh, so, Kevin, do me a favor. I don't know if we want to. Well, that was that was Rick Dollywall. Um, good luck with his golfing and and all of that and whatever he's doing. And um, he. Uh, He's great. I I just it's I could sit and talk with him for another two hours, and I yeah. still would would feel um feel tired. Uh, Devin Devin was listening in. If Devin wants to chime in a bit, he can for sure. Are you still there, Devin? Oh, he's gone. No, oh, he's, he's, gone. he's gone. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> I'm very candid. I you know I, I was going to say much more of uh of an open interview than I I was expecting there from from Rick, and uh, you know interesting to hear you know kind of. You know how much heat he's under all the time in his work. It's a tough gig. You know he didn't want to use the word insider. He was kind. Of, I, I thought he was kind of underselling himself. I mean, to me, you know, when he says it's news, it, it's it's for real in, in Vancouver, and it's hard to to get to that level of of um, credibility in in the work that he does. Yeah, well, it's just he it, it just he's worked hard, and um, he just he became the the go-to source for any sort of any sort of rumors or, or reports or news behind the scenes looks type type stuff for Vancouver um, for Vancouver uh, sports fans uh, specifically Canucks fans but he's still like I said he's got the he, he's got David Braley he's got other other connections with uh, uh, in the CFL as well because that's a, a big uh, he likes he likes the CFL as well so. Yeah. Um, it's yeah, I, I really love, I really like listening to him talk. It's, uh, it's, he, he's, he's fantastic. I know I sound like I'm I'm fangirling or, or or gushing about him, but uh, it's just, it's, it's always fun to talk to to people who are passionate about uh, what they do and, and, and the, and the sports they cover. So it's, it's great. And, uh, uh, I was I was very appreciative of how candid he was on on a couple topics. Yeah, yeah, and particularly on the topic of toxicity too. Like, uh, you know, I will kind of wondered if he would maybe downplay the the fact that there's a bit of a toxic uh, feel to the Canucks fan base, but but uh, no, not only does he feel like it is a little toxic, but had a lot of feelings there on on why it is. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, go ahead, Sean. Oh no, go go go, Kev. Yeah, I, it's it's it was great. Um, I just I, um, we we've, we've been trying full disclosure. We've been trying to get Rick on for a year. It's been it was it was tough to 
pin him down. He, he's a busy guy, but you know, he's, we're glad to get him on and I'm, I'm, I'm sure he'll come on again. And, uh, we look forward to that. Uh, we've got lots that has happened and a lot coming on. We had, uh, we recorded our last, uh, regular episode. I'm using air quotes, regular episode where we dove into the Brock Besser, Matt Sakaris thing. And I, I did a whole clip. If you want to listen to that specifically, I uploaded that, that you can listen to. Uh, we have Brian Weave from the BCHL come on and talk about the return to play for that. So you can check that out. But coming up, Sean, you've been working oh, yeah, on I've this got, forever. Um, I've lined up some of the talk about some more stats stuff. Uh, one of the big things that I've uh, always thought about these uh, these advanced stats, uh, the, the more in-depth analytics that uh, people are, are spouting now a lot, especially on social media, is how, how, how do they show defensive impact on the game? It's really easy for these, these stats to show puck possession and where the where like where where the play is when the player is on the ice, but I don't think I don't think they do a good enough job. At least the public stats to, to specifically uh, show a good enough job showing how good a player is defensively. So I've um, I've got Brace uh, Chevalier uh, lined up for uh, next week, um, and he was he he's a uh, a data scientist and tactician. Uh, works for the Kingston Frontenacs and a student at Western uh, University, and he he posts out on on Twitter um, with his uh, with his handle uh, at fo f a u x center c e n t r e. Uh, these uh, these good uh, visual graphic um, charts that uh, show uh, comparisons of uh, player strengths and weaknesses. So uh, I've talked with him, and we're going to try and tackle how uh, at, um, advanced stats can show um, how good a player is defensively, uh, as opposed to just uh, the average the, the average uh, stat, which is Corsi and and puck possession and expected goals and everything like that. Okay, cool, cool. Uh, we also have Chris Faber coming on. Uh, as well, because he has at, been at Canucks training camp, so I wanted to get his perspective being there. What is the new normal at the training camp facility like? And the all-Canadian Canadian team draft? The all-Canadian team draft will be recording this week, um, where we just uh, we try and put together two lines and a, and a starting goaltender uh, using the uh, players from the Canadian, uh, the Canadian team's rosters. Yeah, so... Uh, I feel like Kevin's really overthinking this, but we'll we'll find out to see if he's either a mad scientist or just some raving lunatic on on Twitter. <laughs> and John, have you not devised some uh, clever method of determining the draft order? Yeah, uh, we'll be doing. <laughs> I, I found some random uh, spin the wheel uh, deal on. Uh, uh, online and we'll we'll do that as as we go to see see who uh, who, who goes first overall. Um. Uh. Well, hey, if you think I'm the mad scientist, Devin is the one that has papers. Lord knows everywhere. So yeah, that's probably why he left us earlier, so he could uh, yeah. start on his research. He's got extensive. He's got papers ex- and God knows what. Yeah. <laughs> And also, uh, we are getting a new website. It is coming, so we will. You will be hearing some writings from us. We will be doing some live recaps. 
uh, starting with the pre, oh, I want to say the exhibition games, we'll be uh, talking about the Leafs Canadians, Jets Flames, and then get into the the Canuck Jet exhibition game. That regional, you know, that regional rivalry, that close regional rivalry yes. that Vancouver and Winnipeg have. That, oh, that to, to be fair, that's that's an old Smythe Division rivalry, and they've played in the playoffs in the early '90s a lot. So, no, well, that's, oh, that's, no, yeah, they have, they've had a tremendous amount of playoff series, and they they are rivals, but it's just they're not regional rivals. <laughs> that's all I. Well, so, someone, someone has to play the Jets. That's true. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And and we'll be doing more there with that. So keep an eye out for that. Subscribe on iTunes and Spotify. And follow on Podcast Hockey. Follow Heidi, Hide Amazeballs. Uh, follow Devin Gord Howe 09. Follow Chris at Schneids, S-C-H-N-E-I-D-Z. Follow me, K-V-O-L-E. Tyler, how do we follow you? At T Noble on Twitter, T-N-O-B-L-E. And Chong. And I am BeardyConnect03 on Twitter. All right. And thanks, everyone. And, of course, Dollywell, you know how to find him. And we will talk to you all very soon. Bye for now. 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 After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois.